Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about YouTube, Conkers, and we have part three of our interview with Lauren Jenis from Filler Engaged Giving. Good! Morning, evening, afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Kindness Project. I am joined by a girl who likes to collect undrunk um, energy drinks, and a man who looks like he needs an energy drink right now. It's Charlotte and Russ. How are we doing, guys? Uh, I'm doing good. I got my juice. <laughs> you got your juice, and, and a funky fringe as well, by the looks of it. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it down so it'll stay down. Because otherwise, uh, my 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 days of worrying about fringe are long gone. Well, yeah. What? No, <laughs> hold on. No, you don't need to like. You don't need to comment, Russ. I like, don't. Know, I don't know whether we're related or not because I've got a full head of hair. <laughs> I, you know Do what? Do you not I often could... shave yours, Russ? I, I could... often shave mine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need to get definitely... mine done. It's far too long. Sorry, are you having the hair chat? Just to mock me or what? Is that is that what's happening now? Just mocking the hair chat you're having. I'd I'd happily um, swap mine for yours though. What would you mean? Um, I'd swap my hair for your hair. <laughs> Charlotte wouldn't. Charlotte's keeping hers. Um, um, I, you know what? Yeah. I've I've got healthy growth. Um, apart from the bit in the middle that's on my head. Clearly, that's the bit that, Dad, that never grows. It's barren. You know what? It's a desert up there. Dad, I will take all of the credit. All of the credit. Um, Because, you know, someone had to turn that into a good drum for when... uh... Well, you... I mean, you did. We used to... I mean, when you were little, I don't want to embarrass you too much, Charlotte, but we used to have... You wanted, at one point, to go on Britain's Got Talent, right? (laughs) This is genuine, when you were a lot younger. And you wanted to go on Britain's Got Talent, and um, play the belly drums, mm-hmm. which was basically a game you oh. and I used to play where we used to make make drum noises out of each other's belly. Why and that would I have been the weirdest thing. What? Why have I not jumped into that? Have you have you never heard of the belly drums we used to? We do? Used to and, it, all the time. and there was one point where Charlotte said to me, um, Dad, can we go, go on Britain's Got Talent? And I said, well, Oh, you should have. We still <laughs> need the talent. We still <laughs> need the talent. And Ralph, Charlotte genuinely said to me, we'll go on there and play belly drums. Now, that would have been weird, wouldn't it? I, I remember seeing her singing on YouTube, though. That was quite cute. Christ. Seeing what? Yeah, Charlotte's video of her singing on YouTube. Have I seen that? I must have done. What were you seeing, no, you were the one who put it together. Yeah, I'm. I'm forever. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yes. Charlotte sings. That was uh, yeah. still available on YouTube. If anybody wants to look it up, you know what? Like, I don't think you should bring back. You know what's still available? I'm looking to repeat. <laughs> Scary baby. <laughs> Scary baby was good. I used what? to love doing that. I haven't done that for ages. I used to make like all of our holiday videos. I used to edit and put on YouTube and stuff like that. You know what? You should bring back. I can't because I haven't got a Facebook account anymore and that was the main platform for, for Padre Corner so I might have to sign on Twitter 
How's your, how's your Twitter projects and Insta projects going, Charlotte? Mug of the week and all that sort of stuff. Mug of the week's ongoing. Um, Have you I had any join with it, though? Other than people I know? No. Um, right. We, we need to use our um, podcast audience to get us uh, sending Charlotte mugs. What? What uh, industries and mugs are you looking for in particular, Charlotte? Uh, well, I've I've got accounting, I've got uh, security. Um, maybe I could get something that's not accounting, finance, security. <laughs> Anything that's not accounting, security, or finance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. If you, um, if you own a chicken coop and you've got mugs, I'll take them. Like. Oh yes. <laughs> Yes, um, that would be a coup. Yeah. I'm actually starting to run um, mugs to post because I think I only have five mugs and I'm four weeks, three weeks in. Yeah. You, you, you need What you need to do is you need to do some lobbying. You need to get a Strath Uni mug so you can do that. What happens oh, if you yeah. run out of mugs? Are you, are you doing a rotation then? I might have to. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we did. Yeah. We definitely can we can we use our can we use our meager influence for us and see if we can get some mugs for Charlotte. Do you reckon? I think what we can do. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll do. Has the kindness project mug been up there yet? I haven't got one. You You're joking. I left my own. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I've I've got mine. I had a coffee out of it this morning, so uh, we will make sure yeah. that at some point you get your. Kindness Project mug delivered, but um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. So, guess what I've been up to today? Oh no! I um, I've been teaching Sophie how to play conkers. Conkers, yeah, yeah. So, for the, for those of our listening audience who don't know what Congress is, because I don't know, Russ, whether it's a... Um, Congress has to be worldwide, surely. I, don't, I mean, bear in mind that Sophie didn't know what Congress is because I don't think kids play Congress anymore. No, so I never... You never played Congress growing up, did you? I played Congress with you. Yeah. Yeah, it was only me and you who played Congress, right? Yeah. So I, I thought... It'd be a great idea to um, have a game of Conkers with Sophie. Like, keep the, it's, a, it's a proper old school game, but it's good. Yeah. And basically, do you want to explain Conkers, Russ? So basically, they're just like pods, like seed pods, I think they are. Yeah. And what you do is you drill a whole, well, the way we used to do it is keep them in vinegar for a week, bake them. Then drill yeah. a hole. Because you're you're doing got. whatever you can to make yeah. these the harder uh, than they are. seeds. Yeah. And they're they they they're quite big, aren't they? The seeds. Yeah. They're like a decent, I, I don't know, drill, probably then you drill a hole through the middle and you put a bit of string and then you whack each other's conkers. And then the the idea of the game is you break the you other, break person's, the other conkers. person's conker, yeah. Google conkers, if you've got like these uh well what would they I mean I think they're called conkers they're called throughout conkers. the world. Don't yeah, they? they are called conkers. They are called yeah. conkers throughout the world. But the game conkers, you drill an hole in it and then you like hit each yeah. other's conkers yeah, each other's until conkers, yeah. you break one of one of those conkers. So we had a really good game of conkers earlier on. Until I had a miss we hit myself 
in a rather sensitive area. Oh no! <laughs> so I hit my conkers with your conker. The conker. <laughs> Not a pleasant experience, I've got to say. Okay. Weird. So I I didn't know this. Um, just had to know what what they were called. Uh, apparently they come from the horse chestnut. Oh, the... they're horse chestnut seeds, aren't they? Yeah, uh, or the Aeschylus Hippocastinum. Thank you for swiftly moving over the fact that I hit my own private parts with a with a nut. Um, or, no, it's not a nut, it's a seed. It's you could have whacked your Hippocastinum, couldn't you? What? You could have whacked your Hippocastinum. Uh, Actually. What? Can you Google that, Charlotte? Because I don't know what that means. No, oh, he just told us it's what the the Aeschylus Hippocastinum, aka the horse chestnut. And actually, I don't think that those things are the seeds. I think those things are the fruits. Ah, right, okay. Okay. Uh, once pollinated by insects, each flower develops into a glossy red-brown conker inside a spiky green husk, which falls in autumn. That's exactly but you right. get rid of the husk. The husk falls off, doesn't it? That's yeah. the idea. Uh, and all so, of this is coming from the Woodland Trust website. Oh, um, so pretty reliable sources. Pretty reliable yeah, sources. Yeah. Um, I think Conkers needs to make a comeback, but we need to add some safety measures you to want, make sure that nobody injures itself. You want several retro games to come back, though, don't you? You're trying to get the crowd retro games like Kirby and Kirby's not retro. They remake it all the time. Um. Well, I, I do want to do a charity event at some point, of which Conkers might be in there. Sorry, um, what Kirby uh, is Charlotte talking about? The little pink thing. Oh, Kirby with a ball and you hit it against the curb. That sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the video game, Kirby. Yes. Russ is talking about, talking about chucking the a ball against the curb. Yeah. What's the idea of Kirby, Russ? Because I haven't seen play so... Kirby. You always had to hear on the edge of the edge of the uh, uh, edge of the curb, and it had to bounce back to you, didn't it? I, I I've never played Kirby. Russ, sorry to say that that sounds quite boring. No, it was quite good fun. <laughs> Were you playing uh, it on your own, Russ? No. <laughs> Who was you playing it with? I can't remember now, but I wasn't. Was, playing it, was that friend you had imaginary, Russ? Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> <laughs> I was playing Kirby with my mate Steve. I don't remember who Steve was. Oh, I was watching. I was watching Not Going Out last night. Right. It was one of the Christmas specials. Right. And uh, early, but there were early Russ. Start of October. Yeah, talking about reruns Christmas. Then reruns on Dave. Right. And that was exactly the premise of that show. He had an imaginary friend who he used to play with. Yeah. Russ, did it bring back memories, Russ? It did. <laughs> <laughs> what was your imaginary friend called, Russ? My parents should have called me Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I wonder if anybody's imaginary friend had the same name as them. So, like, I'm just imagining Russ's imaginary friend just being called Russ. Russ (laughs) Russ and Russ. 
<laughs> what one's real? Who knows? <laughs> um, right, let's move maybe on to the question of the podcast. imagination. Hmm. Maybe. Who yeah. exists? I have a friend I mean, who we, we, are, we say that we to We are going other. deep. Yeah, I have, I have a friend. We say that to each other that we are each figment of each other's imaginations. What? So who is this? Aaron. Aaron. But I have no, met, the one you've met. <laughs> I, I have met you and Aaron, which is a bit more, um, uh, a, a bit more reassuring because I know that you two exist, unless you're you are both a figment of each of our imaginations. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ross, do you exist, or are, are you a figment of my imagination? I wish I was. <laughs> or, or are we each a figment of the universe's imagination as an expression of its will? You know, or, it's a, it's or, a, it's a concept that we can like go on. I have, I have. Or, or are we all part of the matrix, and you know, actually everything we believe is virtual? Oh, yeah, sorry, when did we? When did we, when, when did we stop turning into a podcast about kindness and like? Something, something somebody would record in a tinfoil hat. When did that happen? <laughs> but there's, there's, there's so many questions you can ask about the universe, and there's never any answers, and that's just fascinating. It is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to something a little more superficial. <laughs> a, lot more, a lot more superficial. This week's question of your po- podcast, which is, what's your favourite zoo animal? Unless that zoo animal is a figment of your imagination. And that zoo animal actually doesn't exist. Charlotte, what's your favourite fictional or real zoo animal? Um, my favourite real animal um, that would live in a zoo. Um, do owls count? If not owls, owls. Oh, owls. If owls. That's a zoo animal, though. That wouldn't be a zoo animal, would it? No. Yeah, that'd be no. more like a, a rescue animal. Yeah. Like, you know, they have them at the... Wildlife. Fabric, fabric, I mean, if, uh, country fairs and that sort of stuff. If we're going yeah. any animal, I think you've got to go. I mean, like, like you've got to go for something useful, aren't you? Like a St. Bernard springs to mind because it's like carries carries a bit of like sort of booze oh, to help you to keep you warm. Yeah, like if I was looking, I was looking for a useful animal. Owl would definitely not be it, um, because I mean, owls owls are not. Particularly practical. Well, no, I don't know about that. If you need to catch vermin, owls. Oh yeah, but like you know, in like um, what's it called? Like okay, take Harry Potter for example. The use of owls in that is so ridiculous because they are the slowest flying birds. So why would you send your post with the yeah. slowest bird on the planet? But but they're meant to be. There's connotations with magic, isn't there? Well, you could say that about royal male and female these days. That is true. Owls are the royal male of the bird world. Yeah. That's that's the <laughs> that's the connection. They are. When I see a geezer, when I see my um, my uh, postman coming along the road. Hello, cat weasel. By the way. Um, <laughs> Sorry? You who aim? <laughs> <laughs> no, he reminds me of an owl. He reminds me of an owl. Um, but they, th- are, they are beautiful, majestic animals. And one of my favourite books as a kid was about um, three baby owls who were um, 
were alone at night and like the end of the book their mum comes back and feeds them and stuff. I can't remember what it's I called. I mean but... if we're picking if we're picking favourite zoo animals, surely and, and we're getting inspiration for books, surely there's only one. Lion. Lion. <laughs> Is that it, Russ? <laughs> Lion. There's no story to go with that. Where's the book? Where's where's the book inspiration? You, were lion, you going lion? Which wardrobe? wardrobe? Ah, yeah, right. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? I, I want Russell to guess again. Elephant. <laughs> Dumbo. <laughs> Dumbo. I was thinking, L, L, what's that one? The multi-patterned one, and it's covered in the colours. Elmo the elephant. Yeah, I mean, that one. there is not a zoo animal, but the hungry caterpillar's up there. The one I was thinking of, I can't believe neither of you have got it. I'm going to give you one more chance. Badger. Badger. Sorry, the zoo animal badger. <laughs> tiger. Yes. What one? The tiger who came to tea. Classic. Because I was thinking about Soph and, yeah. Yeah, ab- you, you know what I like though, meerkats. They're so interactive, meerkats. It's so funny. I like red yeah, pants. I like when they're trying to sell you insurance on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Russ. Do, I do That's like the red panda. Bad. They are very cute. <laughs> other other insurance services not related to meerkats <laughs> are available. Just so. <laughs> well, I recently took some financial advice from you, didn't I? And I prefer the meerkats and bias to yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, look, I gave you higher quality chart financial planning. <laughs> like, listen to this. <clears throat> for, and I can't even say the word. <laughs> free. Right. Oh, yeah, it was I free. Didn't, I didn't even send him an invoice. What's going on with my life? Right, okay. Should I send him an invoice? The answer is yes. Should have, you, should have, you should have sent an invoice that just had 0.00 on it. Just to be petty, you have to send the invoice. You know what? What would have been pettier is 0.17. 17 p. The thing in my head about it that's petty is you leave the amount until the last page. So he's clicking through, panicking like he's got to pay something, and then it just says nothing. And it's just. <laughs> no. I, I want I want it to be a I want it to be an amount. I want it to be a, a either a random amount or something really funny like twelve shirt buttons and a pair of trousers or like something like that. Like not like I, I want to enter a barter system that involves Russ giving me one of his t-shirts so I can wear it as a. <laughs> you wear that as a tee. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's move on with the show, and um, let's. <laughs> How did we get? Are we? But um, if you'd like, listeners, to uh, barter for one of pieces of Russell, uh, one of Russell's clothes, please feel free to get in touch or to answer the question of the podcast using the following channels. So if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Ola Kindness. If you want to find us on Facebook, don't look for Chris James because he's not there anymore. Don't exist and he, re- on Facebook. he refuses to be there ever again. Um, so you can put the Kindness Project in and we should come up somewhere along the way. Um, same for Google, the Kindness Project podcast. If you type www.thekindnessproject.co.uk, that's our uh, website. Uh, and it will come up in the bar and it will be nice and blue um 
email, 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 Ola at the kindnessproject.co.uk. Um, and uh, personal Twitter for you, Dad, is? At Chris Dames, C-H-R-I-S-D-A-E-M-S. Uh, and I'm at Charlotte J. Dames. So it's C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E-J-D-A-E-M-S. Now you're at uni, are you uh, are you adopting the the J moniker, and is it is it gigging off? Is it are people calling you Charlotte J Dames? I don't know. That's a that's an awkward one though, isn't it? Because if you have that put on a shirt shirt or that, it's CJD. Yeah. Yeah, mad cat disease. No yeah. comment. Anyway, let's move on. I like it. I don't. Well, no, I like it as well. Um, let's talk about uh, Kindness News, and currently on Kindness News, we are talking about the uh, independent inspirational list of people, and the highlight in every week, two people who are doing amazing work. Now, Charlotte, I'm going to give you the choice. We've got Gary, and we've got, or we've got Jetsy. Would you like to... Rock, paper, scissors for it? Sure. A rock, paper, scissors. Go on in. <laughs> <laughs> what, one, what one do you want first? I don't know, what one do you want? So I can say I want that one, and then if I win, I can have that one. I want go... Jersey. Okay, so uh, we're rock, paper, scissors for that one. Jersey, right? Yep. Go on in. <laughs> Bing, bang, walla, walla, smash. No, you... <laughs> what? That's how you do rock, paper, scissors. It's one. No, no, she wasn't. Right, body got shot by a UFO. Oh, right, you win. You get Jersey. Um, uh, right, no, best out of three. Body got shot by a UFO. Oh, two, three. You're predictable. I wanted Gary in the first place. It was all reverse psychology. I just wanted an excuse to play rock, paper, scissors. I. Uh, maybe that's the first time anybody's played rock by paper scissors on a podcast. <laughs> Gary Collett, let me tell you about him. In 2020, Gary was the first COVID patient to arrive in intensive care at Barnet Hospital. After six weeks in a coma and a further stay in the hospital, Gary was discharged home. The Mill Hill resident has gone on to raise more than £10,000 for the Royal Free Charity, which fund where fundraising efforts included a London to Brighton bike ride while still suffering from long COVID. Gary is one incredible man, says his nominator. Um, uh, clearly he is because, you know, um, like focusing his efforts on helping other people is amazing. He's a true inspiration to others and gives up his time to speak to other COVID patients about his recovery and to give them advice. Nothing is too much for him, and I would love him to be recognised for his bravery and hard work. I love that. And I'll tell you what's important about that. Um, you know, um, that sort of way to cope with adversity by doing good for other people, you know, going through a tough time yourself and realising actually there's an opportunity um, to uh, give, a, give it back in the world is amazing. So well done, Gary. Keep up the great work. Uh, Jesse Davies. Welsh social media influencer Jesse, who has had a status since the age of four, is raising, aw raising awareness of speech impediments through her TikTok videos. The films which have 
been viewed more than 58 million times, helping to educate people about the condition. Jessie from Sunon Valley set up her TikTok account last year to record videos of herself approaching people in public to tackle her anxiety. After receiving an overwhelming response from viewers, Jessie has dedicated her platform to helping others with speech impediments, deepening people's understanding of how common stammers are and explaining how people can be supportive of people with impediments, particularly by encouraging patients and improving listening. No, I love that. Absolutely love that. And, you know, I think one of the benefits of social media is effectively showcasing um, people who are going through challenges, but, you know, helping people understand that they're not alone if they're going through a particular challenge mm. is actually one of the advantages of doing that. Let's move on to the interview for this episode. We've got part three of our interview with Lauren Janice. Uh, Lauren is uh, amazingly insightful in the world of philanthropy, helping people work out who to give money away to, 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 to do a bit of good. Um, so let's listen to what Lauren's got to say. It's a real pivot. I mean, yeah. that, that, that change of mindset from... Uh, from accumulating wealth to seeing the the pounds accumulate over time to thinking about well how giving this away and giving it to people that I don't <laughs> yeah. necessarily have control over is yeah that's that's a mind shift. I, well, it, 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 I, I don't know whether it is a pivot. Um, I think it's more of a sort of gradual turn because in my mm. experience, like sort of people need the time and space to actually go. You know what I don't really sort need this and i i you know i i i, I you know I, I i don't think people can change their mind about stuff overnight i think they need to sort of think about it but, but I, oh, it's yeah. an interesting one isn't it um what do you think you know puts people off uh giving money away and how do we sort of have better conversations around making people more comfortable with the idea i think a lot of it is fear yeah. Um, I think there is the the lack of control that is really difficult for people. Um, you know, when when a person gets to a point of thinking, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna donate to charity. I want to, I have more than I need, or even I've decided, you know, what what is enough for me and what I could then continue to give to give away. Um, I think that there's there can be real fear around well what if they miss what if they don't spend it correctly or you know what if my money goes to waste yeah, <laughs> or yeah. you know what if what if there's a scandal and I found that particularly in the UK I mean there's a there's a massive giving the 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 uh, the giving philosophy and uh, ideas around giving are quite different for a British audience versus an American audience uh, which I found fascinating but. I think that fear is constant um, because it is a lack of control and you have to give up. You have to, there's an, a strong element of trust. In yeah. Life. And, and, and as, as we know, I mean, we, we, in every single sector, there's always the stories of bad news that, uh, that are way the good. And I think the most pertinent and only, only because they, funny enough, few years ago we shared a we're in the same office block in london 
uh, as them. Uh, there was the big story about the kids' company. Do you remember? Yes, that? I the, do remember kids' the, company. The, where, where they were fundraising. I think the lady uh, was a was an amazing fundraiser, but just didn't have the framework in place to manage the money particularly well. And knows this and from processes. She was very charismatic and very good at raising money, but just didn't you know didn't run an organisation particularly well. Um, and um, and and that got huge amounts of publicity but the problem with that Lauren is that then that becomes indicative of waste in the charity sector when there's thousands of charities that do it really well right yeah and I think that's a particular problem in the UK because large charities have such a space in the public consciousness Conscious. yeah yeah in the US it's not that way Right. Um, and that was a real lesson to me when I moved to the UK. So explain, everybody... to me, explain mm -hmm. to me the differences. What differences are you finding working in the US now as opposed to the UK? Oh, it's it's fascinating to me. I mean, I had the most difficulty adjusting to the UK culture because obviously I'm an American and I, I just assumed when we moved there, we all we both speak English. Like how different <laughs> <laughs> But what really struck me about the British approach to giving was that, number one, it was more expected, I felt. Um, and that, I think, probably comes from history of World War II, um, the real kind of everybody chip in, we've got to kind of get this done uh, mentality. And then the second one was that, you know, charities in the UK are household names. They're, they're not in the US. And that is really, I think, because of the federal system in the US, where we're much more Regionalized, right? Regionalized, Regionalized. Exactly. yeah. Go exactly. I mean, in in the UK, as you know, at Tesco in Edinburgh, it's the exact same as a Tesco in, Brist in Bristol. It's not that way in the US. Everything is very regionalized. Right. And so the idea, we do have national charities, but they don't hold the same kind of... Swag. Yeah. 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 It's not and like Cancer Research UK or... No. Yeah, yeah. No. Interesting. Interesting. People give on a much more local basis um, in the US. And, you know, they'll give to their church or their local religious institution. They'll give to their schools. I mean, hospital or um, alma maters, uh, universities are a major source of, of uh, fundraising in the US. And they'll give to medical research, but it'll be local. Like it'll right. be the local cancer research, research. center. Research, yeah, yeah. Or the yeah. local hospital. I mean, there, there's such an interesting debate around there that around, you know, I suppose research can be regionalised, but if only if the, you know, these hubs are communicating with each other in a really positive way to share their share their experiences. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know enough about research to to understand what the best way to do it is, but it feels like you sort of need a bit of a yeah, you need a bit of a hub to sort of collate all of the local research. But I don't, I don't know. Just out of interest, what the um, what the other like the non-work main differences you've found about the UK and the US? <laughs> um, okay, the ones that surprised me the most. Um, I guess so. When I when we moved to the UK, I was seven months pregnant with our first child and so I got to kind of view healthcare in the U.S. versus in, in the U.K. and the whole the whole idea and I had ended up having a, we had a second child in the U.K. UK too and so I just think the whole mentality about health 
is completely different. And that's because you have a nationalized healthcare. But the very idea that I could take my child to the local church to get weighed with all the other babies nearby was, uh, it it was mind blowing. (laughs) Because in the US, you go to your pediatrician, there are no, I mean, everybody goes to a pediatrician. The fact that I did not have when I told my friends at home that I didn't take my children to pedi- to a pediatrician, they thought I was mad. Like, what? You just take them to a regular J- GP? How can they possibly know about babies? <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably a fair point. I mean, GPs are very generalist by nature. But I wouldn't... I, they I, I, I mean, a lot of healthy people out of it. <laughs> yeah. You know You know what, though? I, I, uh, funny enough, before Charlotte left for uni, we were having this conversation on, on the day we left. I... <clears throat> And again, look, there's loads of arguments for, for, for both sides of the debate. I And again, one of the reasons that I feel lucky is because I live in in a country whereas, whereas if I need urgent health care, I haven't got to worry about essentially £100,000 bill. Now, you could, could argue that you take out private medical insurance and that covers the cost of, of all that sort of stuff. But I think I think... People living in the UK get really used to just knowing that, you know, you, you if you need healthcare, yes, it can be slow and it, you know, there's there's sort of downsides to it, certainly. But knowing that that at free at the point of of care stuff feels just feels like it's it's the right way to do it. But I'm pre- I'm pretty sure a lot of our American listeners would disagree. <laughs> Honestly, Chris, I, I agree with you. It just to me, it felt like there was a communal, like everybody had a, a basic standard of understanding of the kind of health that everybody in the community should have. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. the babies should be weighed and should be looked after in the same way. All, you know, if the very idea that, you know, if you need, if you need um, penicillin or like an antibiotic, you should go get an antibiotic. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the U.S., I feel like there's all this questioning of like, well, do, can you afford it? Did you, you know, do you have the right forms? Yeah, do you have yeah. have you filled out the paperwork because shouldn't you matter, have to wait it? for that yeah, yeah. it shouldn't matter yeah yeah <laughs> all all children all people need to be taken care of yeah 100%. i agree i agree i mean uh, i mean hearing stories about the american system and people uh, i can't remember what i was oh, no i tell you, there was a there's a new netflix documentary talking about money funny enough Oh really? And uh, I, I've literally only only just got ten to fifteen minutes in, uh, but um, effectively, what the, the one of the ladies who was working two jobs and eighty hours a week and sort of working really hard said, um, "I'd love to earn more money so I could buy some um, antidepressant medicine because because uh, I can't afford it and I'm really struggling with these symptoms." Um, now that Lauren absolutely blew my mind. That just really? for me, that's just well, you just go along to your GP, uh, and again, there's there's an entirely different debate about whether we're too reliant on drugs to solve mental health issues, and you know that put to putting that that's aside. Exactly. Yeah, um, but 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 the pr- the additional pressure that puts on her because you just. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to have that option, but I can't afford it. It's just mad, isn't it? It's just sort of I, I, that that to me is a really big 
reason why I think the UK system or a similar sort of arrangement just works. You know, could you? I, I think we're letting down people in the society if they can't just go and get that help. I fully agree. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what's interesting, and we will get back to my planned questions in a minute. Do you think part of that is because of the last few decades we've become more particularly in the west we've become more individualist and less collective mm, absolutely i fully agree with that and i i mean that's one of the things that i so much enjoyed about the uk is there was much more of a collective spirit of just kind of everybody chip in get it done everybody deserves the right the same thing i mean americans are we are by nature individualistic like yeah. that's we broke away because we wanted to be individuals. <laughs> um, well, there's benefits to that, right? You know, there are there are advantages to that. There are advantages, um, but the level of division that I see now, even coming back after eight years to the U.S. and just seeing the way that that people can speak to each other that are neighbors, and kind of the the fundamental distrust. And, you know, if you don't agree with me on this one issue, we have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, I mean, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's not not healthy for society nor for individuals. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Let's get back to the less contentious subject of, of, uh, <laughs> of the philanthropy. Um, if somebody's, you know, listening to this podcast, they just don't know where to start. They're thinking about sort of helping a cause they really believe in um but they're just like well there's too much out there where should they start where should they because i know you spoke earlier about starting with your values so mm. is there an exercise that you use with your clients that you could share with us that might be a really useful starting point mm. yeah um diy philanthropy absolutely <clears throat> it's i would start what i what i always talk to people about is you know, you want to start slow to go fast in philanthropy. And that really means taking the time to think about certainly your values, think about where you've given before, really question yourself, why am I giving? Why, why do I give to Oxfam every month? You know, is it is it because at some point somebody stopped me on the street and I just haven't stopped the donation? Or is it because I was really moved by, you know, what the Syrians are going through and I wanted to support them in a meaningful and consistent manner? And really, I would even start writing that down. Like, I give 20 pounds to Oxfam every month because of X, Y, Z. And, you know, write down where you're, you're currently giving. And then I would think about, you know, where, what are the issues in the world that you think you could have that are, are most burning for you right now? And then start doing a little bit of brainstorming and a little bit of research and thinking outside of the box a bit about the kinds of organizations that you might support and the kinds of communities that you might support. So I would start talking to people. I'd start talking. Community foundations are a great resource. And they're growing in the U.S. in the U.K. They're quite uh, quite a good network in the U.S. To you know, call up a community foundation. Um, program officer and ask about what's what programs are going on in my community yeah that that's interesting support. yeah is there is there a framework or a network of community foundations that people can have a look at honestly i would just google find out what your local community there is one in the u.s in the uk um i'm blanking on the name but there is a network of we'll, we'll find it we'll find it we'll put it in the show notes now clearly 
I, I, I get your reaction about DIY philanthropy. Same as it's the same as when people say to me, you know, should I do my financial planning DIY style? And there, the reality is, that you can get to a point where that works. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. you might need professional advice. So, look, exactly. what stage is that right? Well, what stage should people be thinking? You know, what I could really do with Lauren's help. Mm, yeah, good question. So, clients come to us at a couple of different times in their lives. Um, I'm thinking of one client that we've had for for quite a while, uh, which is unusual for us because we don't typically keep clients for more than a, a couple of years. But um, one who uh, is an older couple, and they were just they were just feeling overwhelmed. They were incredibly generous. They are incredibly generous, but. I mean, the thing with charities is they're really good at their jobs. And so if you send them money, they're going to send you more. So they're going to ask you for more and more. And in some cases, they'll sell, you know, they'll pass your name around. So you'll get emails or mail from from uh, um, charities you've never heard of. And so this one client was just, they were just writing checks all the time because they, and they couldn't get their handle over uh, their head around where they were giving how much they were giving to specific issues. And it was just, it was a sense of overwhelm. The problem is the danger of that is they just decide to stop, right? They just decide actually this is too much. Exactly, exactly. Because they've lost that connection to purpose, right? That's a challenge. Exactly. And that sense of control over your giving. I mean, we talk about trust and control. And I think, you know, once you give the money away, that's when you give you give away control, but you need to have control over where you you know Choose it's going to so that it. you yeah. you have a strategy yeah. um, and a plan for your gifts. So that was one one client. Another client came to us, actually a couple, um, because they've been thinking about giving on a larger uh, on a larger level for some time, but something happened in this case, it was the uh, the killing of George Floyd that really propelled them and thinking, right, we need to we need to step it up. We need to have a real strategy for our giving. We don't want to die rich. We don't want yeah. to die even wealthy. We want to die with, you know, the bare minimum. Yeah. And we need a plan to get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I've got I've got one client who's I don't know if I told you this before, who's who's given me the mission. And again, giving is part yeah. of this sort of overall mission. The way he puts it is Chris, you need to make sure my last check bounces. And and I just like, I don't know how I'm gonna do that, Lauren. Like genuinely. <laughs> I love that. As a, as a, yeah, I, you need to make sure that my la my final check. I was like, I was like, you've just you've just made like and, and again it, it's become a bit of a like every time we get together, it's going like, like as that as that planning going, Chris, about my last check just completely bouncing. So okay, yeah, all right. But yeah, it's but that that that's interesting, isn't it? That sort of I'm having a lot more conversations about this at the minute. I want to see the positive impact of my money whilst I'm alive, whilst getting yeah. the balance right between making sure I never run out again. And and that is a challenge, but also with help of professionals, hopefully like you and I, is something that people can do. Um, where can people find out a little bit more about um, you, the work you do, and how to get in touch? Absolutely. Well, you can certainly start with our website at Phila Engaged Giving, and it's just philagiving.com, P-H-I-L-A giving.com. And sign up for our newsletter. I'll send you the link because we send out a newsletter every month that has 
all sorts of resources on giving and um, you know, a blog post from us about kind of what we're thinking about at the, the moment, but it's just a really rich resource and I would, I would love to have people that widen that community. Sure, and <clears throat> what we'll do when this interview goes out in the podcast, we'll make sure that goes on the show notes. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate your time on the Kindness Project. Uh, have a lovely remainder of the day. It was an absolute pleasure, Chris. Thank you. So that was the last part of the interview. Um, that is it for another episode of the Kindness Project. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you on the podcast very, very soon. Bye. Bye.